0: My name is Velma Vouloir, and you are listening to Controversy. Hello everyone, it's me, Velma Valois, and the time has finally come. We're here, we're doing it, our very first episode of Controversy. Firstly, a huge, huge thank you to every single one of you so far who have followed and subscribed to the podcast. So far, every time I get a little notification, I almost start crying. You guys are the best, and I'm sure you've heard this before, but especially for a new podcast, subscribing, rating, and reviewing a show really is what creates more visibility in this crazy podcasting world. You know, I'm a little one woman, independent, no idea what the fuck she's doing kind of podcast. So if you haven't done that already, please consider hitting that subscribe button for me. Doing it takes two seconds. You can do it while you listen to the episode. I will not mind at all. (laughs) And for those of you that maybe don't know or haven't seen uh, we do have a Patreon that we've just launched so that will be a place where all these amazing reference images for our episodes will be going up and I will be uploading a couple of Zook friendly but friendly pictures over on the ever-censored Facebook and Instagram as well so if you're not interested in the Patreon definitely check out the Facebook and Instagram on Controversy C-N-T-R-O-V-E-R-S-Y And I think that's all the housekeeping I've got. I know everyone hates too much housekeeping on a podcast, so let's just dive in. I want to get right into it. I have a gin next to me. I've got a scented candle burning. I am ready to talk sweet smut with you all. Now, a lot of you invested in controversy already have kind of already guessed what the first thing I would talk about on this show is. And that is, of course, a brief history of burlesque. It makes sense, right? It's close to my heart being a burlesque performer, but it also serves to create a really beautiful, rich backdrop to so many other themes and topics that we'll be exploring on the show. It's also something that I find people don't really know a lot about, or they think they have an idea of what burlesque is. Maybe they Think of something like the Moulin Rouge, or maybe they think of the film with Christina Aguilera. And maybe that's not quite correct, or at least it's not quite complete which is fine. There's no judgment here. Uh, You're not expected to know any of this stuff. That's why we've got the show. But today we're going to dive a little deeper and learn about this fucking incredible style of entertainment that is sexy and provocative and smart and boundary pushing. And to know this history gives the framework to tell stories of so many amazing people and women that have had huge impacts directly and indirectly on pop culture as we know it. Now, I do also want to preface by saying that this is absolutely a brief history. There is so much information out there. There is so much that I am so excited to talk about on this show. And I just can't fit every single aspect into this kind of one overview episode. So... Please don't get offended if there's a certain aspect or performer that I don't mention. This is kind of just giving you the bare bones history of what was going on in America uh, at the turn of the century, predominantly New York City. So yes, I am aware there's much more to delve into and we will be doing it. But this episode is just kind of starting us out a little bit. Now, a lot of the information from this episode comes from a few amazing books, which I highly recommend that you check out if you want more information on what I'm talking about today. I've got Kirstie Allen's Guide to Classical Burlesque, Michelle Baldwin's Burlesque and the New Bump and Grind, Minsky's Burlesque by Lachlan Lockmen, sorry, and Minsky, and one of my all-time favorites behind The Burly Cube by Leslie Zemeckis. There is also references from Wikipedia and The New York Times as well. So I will put those sources up for you guys to check out if you want more information. So let's go. Now I'm going to start by being a total wanker and doing what you did in every school book report of your life, which is to read you the definition of the word burlesque. What a dick. I know I'm ashamed, but I'm going to do it anyway because I think it's important. So the Collins Dictionary (laughs) defines burlesque as a performance or piece of writing that makes fun of something by copying it in an exaggerated way. Synonyms include parody, mockery, satire, and caricature. So, burlesque as a literary or performative term has actually been around since the 1600s in Europe and in England as a style of parody or pastiche in art. But I'm going to actually save the early references for another episode because I know someone who can tell you about these early references and origins of burlesque way better than me. So I'm going to let them do that. And right now we're going to fast forward time and jump straight into the mid 1800s, which is where these early incarnations of burlesque performance began to show up in the United States. So what we're going to be discussing today is what is considered to be sort of the heyday or the golden age of burlesque. And whilst these shows and concepts absolutely existed in many places around the world, America is kind of considered the hub during this golden age of where everything was going down, in particular in New York City. And that's what I'll be focusing on for the next little while. So it's the mid 1800s, and there have been huge technological advancements particularly in transportation and as such America suddenly has all of these new exotic troops and performers coming to its shores and showcasing styles of entertainment that had just not been seen before. One such of these entertainers was the infamous Lydia Thompson and her troupe of dancers called the British Blondes, who arrived in New York City in September of 1868. They did their first show at the Woods Museum and Metropolitan Theatre in New York City on September 28th to absolute uproar of their crowd. And do you want to know why? It's because these dancers were wearing lavish, beautiful costumes, complete with... Skin colored tights, full length, covering every bit of skin, flesh colored tights. So this was unheard of in America at the time. The idea of seeing a woman's leg and not an actual nude leg, but just the shape of a leg underneath skin tone stockings caused everyone to absolutely lose their shit. The New York Times wrote a review at the time saying the eccentricities of pantomime and burlesque with their curious combination of comedy, parody, satire, improvisation, song and dance, variety acts, cross-dressing, extravagant stage effects, risque jokes and saucy costumes, while familiar enough to British audiences, took New York by storm. And pretty quickly, people began to protest and traditionalists started taking this stand against these what were called leg shows, stating that they're completely indecent and morally outrageous. But of course, as we all know... With scandal comes press, and with press comes notoriety, and suddenly everyone just had to see Thompson and her troupe. It did not matter how many people were modified at the then incredibly risque content of the show. Tickets sold like crazy, and it was by far the most popular show of that year's theatrical season. What was supposed to be a six-month tour actually turned into a six-year stint in America where the troupe toured all over the country. And this grand scale troupe style of burlesque then kicked off in a big way with many other touring companies coming into play and performing these styles of variety shows, often comprised entirely of female casts. And so this early formation of American burlesque continued like this and was hugely popular for decades afterwards. And then in addition to Thompson and the troupe style, it's also worth mentioning a dance troupe called Little Egypt that performed at the Chicago World Fair in 1893, where Algerian dancers performed their traditional and for an American audience, a very exotic belly dance acts to crowds dressed in their traditional costumes. And this sent crowds absolutely wild because they were so unfamiliar with these sort of undulating, gyrating movements of a woman's hips and chest. So the adoption of these movements into the burlesque sphere became known as the hoochie coochie. The hoochie coochie is what would later develop further in the 1940s and beyond as the bump and grind. But I am racing ahead a little bit, but I just wanted to inject that little tidbit in there for you. So now we're at the turn of the century and from about 1900 to the 1930s, burlesque shows were largely run on what was called a Circuit or a wheel. And what that was was these large umbrella corporations, uh, Columbia probably being the most notorious, where the company had about 40 different touring shows that just went from theater to theater all over the country. So as a performer, it was incredible because you just had this constant stream of work coming in. And as an audience member, the reviews were always fresh and exciting because you had a different show coming to town every few weeks. And it was these circuits that really spread the popularity of burlesque throughout the country. It was during these years that you had the Zigfield Follies review performing in New York City, which were also famous for their display of beautiful chorus girls commonly known as Zigfield girls who paraded up and down these huge flights of stairs in the most lavish and elaborate costumes dressed really scantily as anything from flowers to animals to architecture. And while there are others I would say it's probably the Zigfield follies that really first created that idea of the extravagant opulently dressed in feathers and crystals style of showgirl in America. So what also began happening in the 1920s is, of course, Prohibition. And with Prohibition, as we know, came this huge influx of underground clubs and speakeasies. And in these clubs, a new sort of style of burlesque began to pop up, too. So rather than people being kind of all dressed up to go to the theater, you now have a more gritty makeshift underground nightlife scene where you'd be squeezing smaller bands into these little clubs. And rather than having a huge line of chorus girls, you begin to see smaller acts and solo acts popping up and so this is the beginning of that kind of bawdy up close and personal rowdy burlesque where it kind of became exclusively about female dancers performing striptease acts and they sort of did away with the more theatrical aspects like the improv or the acting skits that they were including in the more circuit theater style Of Burlesque Review. So it's from here on out that you have what is quintessentially the original strip club. So it wasn't strictly men only in these clubs. It was very much a male-centric crowd though. Very much that after work, late night drinks with the boys, the jazz bands playing, and all the while you have gorgeous women artfully and seductively taking their clothes off and there's this extra layer all the while of avoiding the cops or getting busted for slinging liquor it's all very fast and loose which to me quite frankly just sounds like the best time ever so uh in 1931 The last big touring circuit company, which was called Mutual, collapsed under the strain of the Great Depression, as did most of these circuit touring companies. And so suddenly there were all these empty theatres and smaller production groups suddenly had an opportunity to move into the big cities and into Broadway and Times Square. And Minsky's was one of these. And I won't go too much into the legacy of Minsky's because I feel like they deserve an entire episode all to themselves, quite frankly, but... Minsky's is essentially what became the name in American burlesque. They had multiple venues across the country and had absolutely legendary headliners performing in their venues such as Anne Corio, Lily Sincere and Gypsy Rosalie who during this time were making thousands of dollars a week in 1930s money. Thousands, which is crazy. And also, don't worry, like I said earlier, they'll all be getting their own episodes. I will go into further detail of these amazing characters. But right now, just know these beautiful ladies were headlining Minsky's in the 30s. So the Great Depression really ushered in this golden era for burlesque because people didn't necessarily have the cash to go and see an upscale Broadway show, but people still wanted that entertainment. You know, they needed a reason to have fun to keep going. And so you have as well, a lot of unemployed women who suddenly have an opportunity for work. And this fun, rowdy striptease style of burlesque is now being performed in these grand theaters and is in a way becoming incredibly mainstream. And whilst that all sounds amazing and beautiful and like so much fun, unfortunately, all good things must come to an end. And in 1935, New York burlesque came up against its antagonist. And this antagonist is the incredibly famous three-time Republican mayor of New York, Fiorello Henry LaGuardia. There is an airport named after him, we know this much. So with mounting pressure from temperance and pro-censorship organizations, Laguardia began his so-called war on burlesque, citing burlesque to be a key factor in corrupting moral influence. He made a huge push in government to stop the renewal of the licenses and tenancies of all the burlesque theaters in New York. And when the state court of appeals said that there weren't any grounds to do this unless there was criminal activity, he began to tighten up all the laws that dictated what you could and couldn't do as a performer in a burlesque show. These were things most often related to, of course, nudity and what parts of the body you weren't allowed to show or what dance moves were considered kind of of too taboo or obscene which was most of them and so of course eventually dancers and performers began getting arrested for indecency and criminal activity you know because their g-string was too skimpy or whatever it may have been and then Laguardia had caused to shut the theater down for breaking the law he also made a law that indicated burlesque shows could operate however strippers were forbidden so you know that's like saying you can have a martini, you just can't have any alcohol in it. You know, it's crazy. Lagardia actually even had the words Minsky and burlesque banned under new obscenity laws. And so before too long, crowds start to dwindle and most New York burlesque theaters began to shut their doors for good. And then we move into World War II and burlesque shows continued to dwindle all over the country during this time, of course however what we did see in the 1940s was an increase in burlesque and striptease featuring in hollywood movies so just a few examples from the 1940s which you can definitely check out a lot of them are on youtube Um, so you've got lady of burlesque from 1943, delightfully dangerous. From 1945, Hollywood revels in 1946, and a very famous one, Linda Be Good in 1947. Some of the most uh, well-known burlesque films were produced by famous pin-up photographer Irving Claw in the 1950s, uh, which included Stripperama in 1953, Varieties in 1954, and Teaserama in 1955. And Irving Claw is yet another key figure who deserves their own episode Um, but let me just say if you haven't seen these films you absolutely must they're iconic they're so cheesecake and gorgeous and the aesthetic that you see in these films it's been replicated in editorials and music videos all over the place since um, they are all on YouTube as well so if you haven't then definitely make a movie night to watch those I think I was about 16 the first time I saw them I was at like an older friend's kind of sleepover and we've watched these films they had such a huge impact on me and it was really one of the first times I understood what burlesque was. So now we're in the 1950s and whilst burlesque isn't exactly mainstream to the extent it was in the 30s we're still seeing it on the big screen and we're still seeing it around the country in smaller burlesque clubs. And then along came the swinging 60s and the sexual revolution. So in these burlesque clubs, live bands slowly became replaced by DJs or disc jockeys playing vinyl, and suddenly the traditional bump and grind style of provocation became replaced with the go-go dancer. And then looking further forward to the 70s and 80s and beyond, many clubs started including large podiums and tables specifically for dancers, some of which had poles installed in the center for them to help the dance to balance and lean on and then this is the beginning of contemporary lap dance and striptease table dance pole dance that we know and love and see in strip clubs all over the world now another huge factor in the demise of burlesque was the increase in provocative films from the late 50s such as the nudist colony documentary style and then later on we've also got the golden age of pornography coming into play Burlesque and the theatrical style of sort of strut and strip entertainment is now sort of considered quite tame and mediocre in comparison to what was available on the big screen now. And so many burlesque theatres actually closed and then reopened as nightclubs and movie theaters to showcase this new era and style of smart and erotic entertainment. However, come the early 90s, nostalgia for the old world glamour and theatrics of burlesque returned. So we've got suddenly large scale reviews popping up in New York City again in Los Angeles and New Orleans. You've got artists considered to be Pioneers in the burlesque resurgence, um, and those include people like Catherine Delish, Pearl Noir, Dirty Martini, a Modesty Blaze, amongst so many, many others. As well, um, we have alternative pinup and fetish model Dita Von Tees, is also considered to have had a huge influence on this resurgence of burlesque. She combines really upscale and sort of grandiose props and costumes that nod to the grand 1930s theatre days of old world burlesque Um, and she did that in both her print modeling work and in her live performances and then today you've got burlesque festivals and pageants running all over the world obviously in these COVID times you know perhaps not so much but prior to COVID and hopefully very soon they'll be up and running again you've got festivals like the Australian Burlesque Festival the London Burlesque Festival you've got the Stockholm Burlesque Festival there's so many and as well sort of since you know the 2000s we suddenly have dedicated schools for learning burlesque have become popularized for you know for artists and everyday people to come and learn the art of feather fan dance or bump and grind and traditional striptease and the burlesque act is now back in the spotlight as a regular feature in your variety and cabaret shows and quite frankly i hope it never leaves And that kind of brings us to where we are today. So I think that's probably where I'm going to leave that for now. I hope you got something out of it. I know it's a basic and brief summary, like I said, but I just hope it gives you framework and some basic context because trust me, you're going to hear so, so much more about this universe and all the people in it in so much detail. Um, yeah, I just can't say everything all at once, but yes, if you're a you know, a new burlesque student or if burlesque is something that you've kind of always been interested in, but you didn't really know the origins. I hope that helps you. Please let me know what you think. Send me a DM, email me at controversypodcast at gmail.com. Let me know what you thought. Once again, don't forget to check out the Patreon or the social channels for some incredible images to reference what I've just spoken about, especially if you're a visual person like me. It's so nice to be able to put image or face to kind of the situation that you're listening to. I can't wait for you to hear the next episodes, including some amazing guest episodes coming up. And I'm pretty excited to be announcing a little launch giveaway competition soon as well. We have so much to look forward to. Thank you for tuning in to episode one, episode one of a million, I hope. So until next time, stay safe, stay well look after each other, respect one another, pay for your porn, you guys. Don't fake your orgasms. And that's about it. That's all from me. See you later.